Um, I started a new series today um, uh, entitled The Pathfinder Series. It comes, actually I'm going to read you the scripture that it's sort of birthed from. I don't have it on the screen, but um, if you would just um, look it up wherever you usually get your scriptures from. But <laughs> sounds like at a bookstore near you. But Proverbs 3 is an incredibly powerful um, passage of scripture. It's one of those that like, I would say, Serious Christians try to remember or learn or highlight or have tattooed. So Proverbs 3, <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. That's the conversation. And the idea is, uh, is not only to uh, let God uh, teach us the path to heaven, which uh, thankfully uh, Jesus made uncomplicated. So instead of us having to find the road to heaven, Jesus came and fetched us. He became the door and the gate. And then he leads us to heaven's gate, right? I think that's incredibly powerful. But, but also that uh, there is a path um, planned for us, right? For every person here. Even if your parents think you're an accident. Sorry, I just, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to own that. Like even your parents think accident. Hopefully no parent thinks you're a mistake, but it's a, an accident. I, I want you to know that heaven wasn't surprised and there was a plan. And the, the most unfortunate thing in life is if you were to accomplish your bucket list but not accomplish God's plan for you. I think that would be unfortunate. I mean, it would be unfortunate if you, you know, saw the biggest waterfall and you, you, you stayed in the sort of, you know, the driest desert uh, and you accumulated a lot of photos, which, by the way, uh, Apple's going to delete at the end of this month. But if you accumulated all of those things, and, but you, what you didn't do is, is accomplish the thing that God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, that would, that's, life's got to be about finding the path God planned for you. And that's what this conversation over the next couple of weeks is going to be like. And last week we talked a little bit about don't being boring. And so today I want to talk to you about, tonight I want to talk to you about how to be different, but in a good way. Because some people are different but not in a good way. Is that, am I allowed to say that? Is that an unkind thing? Like different, like alternative, different, but like annoying different. Like you don't want to be that. You want to be different in a way that takes you away from the crowd. You don't follow the crowd on everything, but you want to be different in a way that honors God and is salt and light to the world. Can you say amen to that? So that's, that's something I think everyone... So I couldn't really find a good word for it, so I chose a pretty bad word, in my opinion, for the sermon title. It's literally how to live a radical life, but the word radical is so old school. So if you could... It is a bit old school, radical. Thanks, thanks uh, Matt. Come see me afterwards. <laughs> little performance review. Um, but... Uh, it's awful. Um, radicals also like, oh, the radical sort of such and such religion. I don't mean radical in that way, but I mean radical in the sense of um, uh, above average. See, see, av you know, you don't want to live just an average life and you don't want to live a good, better than average life. You want to live 
a godly life. And that's a life like a whole few steps above average. Have you ever done something, uh, tested a talented something, attempted something, and then say, oh, that was average? Well, you do, what you don't want to do is average. You, you want to ask God, how can I be distinct and different in a godly way? Right? So that's the conversation I'd like to have with you. And so would you believe that, so for, t- for tonight's uh, conversations, uh, a topic I want to talk you through some of the ways in which Jesus made Peter above average and godly. Um, and I touched a little bit on that, on this this morning. And Peter's life story revolves a lot around boats. So, so my three points tonight will be three principles that will float your boat. Also very, che- also very cheesy. Also, I'm getting feedback on the stage, guys. Sorry. Um, also very cheesy because I know floating a boat is like no longer a thing, people say. But like just pretend like if you've got better suggestions, text them to Matt who will text them. He will text them to me. That was a good chuckle there. And Jesus is phoning us uh, to make his suggestions. Um, so, okay, so when I say Peter's life revolves a lot around boats, first of all, he was a fisherman. Uh, Peter is the guy who got out of the boat when he probably shouldn't have and tried to walk on water. And some of you should stop getting out of the boat because you're going to drown. Um, and and uh, Peter, Peter's life... That was a jab. And Peter's, and Peter's life rolls around a boat like uh, Jesus teaches in the boat. He got born again on a boat, um, Peter. Uh, and he saw some miracles on a boat, the catch of the fish that couldn't be, it was too many for the, there were too many for the net. So I think it's fair to say principles that'll float your boat. Like I think if you're going to study a guy and his story of salvation and how God made him like, how God made him extraordinary, not just ordinary, then I think that's a fair one. So we're going to do Peter tonight, and we'll have a conversation about how different other people became Christians in the Bible and how it changed their lives. And I think um, my prayer is you'll find resonance with one of those guys or all of those guys. So let's, let's talk through his salvation moment. This is the moment Peter got born again. Uh, Matthew chapter 14 uh, from the NIV, it says... Um, come here. Oh no, that's not the one I want. Uh, Luke five. Well, let me read it anyway because it's Peter's great water moment. Peter got out uh, of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. Would it be nice if there wasn't a verse thirty? Like we just ended on verse twenty-nine. He came walking to, and then the next verse is. But then Peter saw the waves and he sank. But in Luke five, one day, uh, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. So just to pause there for a moment, Peter was not at the church service. But uh, Jesus was and the crowds were and Peter was fishing and he wasn't at the church service, but the church service came to him. Let me tell you, most of our lives changed. Most of your, your lives changed because somebody brought you into church space. And I just want to remind you, never do um, underestimate the value and power of an invitation. Like just, you know, if, whether that invitation is an, a link to an online thing or whether that invitation is I'll pick you up and bring you to church or whether that invitation is hey, I haven't seen you in a while. But big things happen when we take small steps. 
And so Peter is just there and he's almost the victim of a service. You know, it's like it's like one of your when one of your friends say, Hey, let's go for a takeaway, we'll just go to McDonald's or something, but they um, forget to tell you that we'll first go to church. And now you're in the car and you are hungry. So you put yourself through a service. So that Peter was like that, like, why is this crowd getting closer and closer to my boat? And he saw the water's edge, uh, at the water's edge were two boats, Jesus, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, uh, the one belonging to Simon. Simon became Peter. So Simon and Peter are uh, two names for the same person. Uh, They represent the weak side of a person and the strong side of a person. Simon means reed. And Peter means rock. It's quite different characteristics, I would say. Um, can I tell you something cool about a reed in the Bible? Are you okay with that? Um, you know, there's a verse in Isaiah 42 that says that a, a bent reed, God, God will, uh, uh, will not break. And a smoking flax, uh, this, you, know, the, the, um, you, you know, when the a candle, the wick, in a candle, when the flame is gone and it's still smoking, God will, God will not dampen. And that scripture was repeated by Jesus, by Paul rather, in the New Testament. It, it, you know, the one says, if you think your fire's going, gone out, uh, God won't let it. I want you to be encouraged by that. If you think you don't have fire anymore in your soul, God won't let it die out. And what you think is dead, God can make alive. And what you think, there's just no warmth left, God will put warmth back in it. And that part was easy, but I couldn't work out the reed. Like, I don't know, reeds, grass. One bends, another grows. You know, who cares? So I couldn't, I mean, that's a bit cold. I couldn't quite work it out. And then I started to do some homework, and there's a whole history to this, and I was blown away. So the story of the reed and the wick is a shepherd's story. Shepherds had to keep two tools with them in the Bible times. The one was a straight reed, and the other was a well-oiled lamp. The oiled lamp was for at night, so that they could work out where they would lead their sheep. And you know that whole thing of thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? That's actually for shepherds. Like, i got to work out where i got to go so my sheep can follow because it's dark and they could fall into a snare. Right? And if you think your lamp's going out, God has a way of putting fuel back in there. Now the reed, we're back to the, the reed cross. The reed was used, they would take a really clean one, a fresh one and a straight one, and they would carve it into a whistle. And the shepherd would use it as a whistle to call the sheep. And I think there's something incredibly beautiful about the idea that when you think that your ability to hear God is broken, and you feel a bit lost, and you don't know where the shepherd is, and you're just like lost sheep, that he won't break it. He will straighten it, and he will clear out the path, and you'll hear again. And that encourages me, doesn't it? It's an encouraging idea that when you think things are broken beyond like repair, God can fix them. So amazing that Peter the reed becomes, I mean, Simon the reed becomes Peter the rock. Same guy and asked him to put out a little from the shores. He says to Simon, can I use your boat? He sat down and taught the people 
from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, let's go fishing, and draw, uh, 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 let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when he had done so, they caught uh, such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, and they signaled their partners uh, in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knee and knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his uh, companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And uh, so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Now, James and John are in our service tonight, so I'd like to welcome James and John who are over there. And, they, uh, you know, as a result, I, we cheesily call uh, his, his, his dad, their dad's thunder because James and John were sons of thunder. So the story is powerful on a number of levels because in a very pictorial kind of way, it shows us the steps we should take to move away from being average to being extraordinary. And I, I, I really would like that for you uh, in your journey with God. I would like that for you that you would be able to say, I got to live a spiritually adventurous life. And one of my great fears, I think we all share this fear, one of our great fears of any life is that we, a Christian life, is that we land up living the same life but now with extra meetings. And you don't want that. You don't want to live the same life but now with more meetings. You want to live an extraordinary life, to say, I would not have gone to these places, seen these things, done these things, or been this guy without Jesus Christ in my life. I, would, I just wouldn't have been this guy. That's powerful. And I want to talk, talk you through about a little about what that looks like. So there, here we go, three principles that'll float your boat. In case you think I was joking, it's like literally in the notes. Three principles uh, that'll float your boat. So the first thing Jesus does is he asks permission to get in the boat. Principle number one is you, you need to have a seat for a sermon. So here's what happens. I think Jesus' strategy is so amazing. Because Peter um, or Simon at the time wasn't in the crowd, but he was going to get a message anyway. How cool is that? It's like saying to your friends, listen, man, do you mind if we play some, play some Christian music in the car while we go? You're like, it's for me, but actually, it's for you. You don't mind if I just play this podcast in the background. Like a super great thing to do is like just constantly have, um, have the chosen playing on your tea. Like it's just like such an invitation. Like if one of your friends say, what's that all about? You just say it's a documentary that was for <laughs> this guy. He lived a long time ago. People aren't sure about him. So I'm just trying to figure it out. But Jesus was like, I'm going to preach there, but Peter, just stand there. And let me tell you, even if you have your back turned to God, the word will get to you and still change your life. All you've got to do, all you've got to do, you've got to have a, a, a seat and accept an invitation for him on the boat. Your first step is Jesus asking you, can I come into your boat? And your first step of faith is to simply say, Yes, you're welcome. Even if, 
even if nothing more, even if uh, your heart is uh, uncomfortable, uh, conflicted, unsure, you've got more questions than answers, TikTok has confused you about re religion, but you just let him in the boat and let just Jesus' presence become power in your life. It, it's doing what you're doing once a week. It's, it's sitting in a seat and, and saying, hey, I'm here for an hour at church and it's my way of letting Jesus in my boat. That's step number one. And in that moment, Peter's on his way to a new life, but he hasn't, he's not quite there yet. And you know, a lot of people are on their way to a new life, but not quite crossed over the line yet. But you're there, you're there. Uh, and he is, he's at least in the boat. And then, and then uh, there's a second uh, part of the conversation of, uh, that Jesus has with Peter. He says to Peter afterwards, keep doing what you've always been doing. You're a fisherman, right? Let, let's do it again. But can I, can I come with? I'm going to come with. Keep doing what you're doing, but let me come with. Keep doing the career you're doing, but, but bring God into it. Keep your marriage, but bring him into it. Okay, some of you are like, shake the boat out, it's just me and Jesus. <laughs> Wife's got to go. Husband's got to go. <laughs> Don't do that. Some, some of you are never going to make it back to shore. <laughs> Lost at sea, dying of starvation, waiting for a Chinese boat to rescue. So, Okay, that joke is a reference of an actual story that took place, okay, some guy for 90 days, him and his dog eating seagulls, and some guy found him. I know, I know, it's bad news for the seagulls, but keep doing what you're doing, but let me come with. And you know, that's the, perhaps one of the most valuable uh, steps in your, so step one is, can I come in your boat? Yes. Step two is, can I come with? to everything you do. I'll just be there. I'll just watch. I'll just journey. But when you start, so here's how you do that. You're like, start of your day. Lord, I'm dedicating Monday to you. I don't love Mondays. I've got to do this today and that today, but will you just be with me there? And you're shifting into a radical life. It's not big stuff. Eh? You, you know, sometimes you think radical life is like you've got to do something that could, you know, came out of this sort of a Harry Potter movie. Like you've got to you, you know, wave a wand and see a dragon. You really don't. Radical is God with me, God in me, God through me. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we try so hard to like analyze it and complicate it and it's really not necessary. And then the third step, uh, things that will float your boat. Can I come in your boat? Can I go with you? Don't change anything. Keep doing it, but I'm going to come with you. I want to come with you to your business. I want to come with you in your relationships. I want to come with you. I want to see how you live and whisper in your ear my counsel. Step three is the moment of, I think, becoming extraordinary. Peter, cast your net on the other side. Oh, we, we've been doing it all night. Nothing's going to happen. Just, just go with me on this. Trust me on this. One more time. Do it my way. Cast your net. 
and something happens. Step three is a strategy for a victory. It's when you say, um, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to come with me. I want to go with you. I don't want you to watch me work. I want to watch you work. I don't want to do fishing my way. Show me how to fish. I don't want to do marriage the way I prefer. Show me what a righteous marriage is. I don't want to run my business the way YouTube tells me. Uh, teach me from your word how to run my business. I don't want to just use the language I've always used and then you're there. Give me new words so I can be a new man. And you go from doing things your way with God watching to doing thing, things his way and God blessing. And a huge shift takes place. In that moment, I think that's perhaps the moment of significant shift. And I think Peter, um, having done things his way and not getting the results he wanted, right? That's the story of Peter. I did it my way, I didn't get the results I wanted. Did it God's way and saw doing it God's way, there's a blessing on it. Uh, he he, he re repents. He bends his knees and he goes, Okay, your way is the right way. I will put my trust in you. That's a strange thing. We seem to teach people to trust Jesus at the beginning of the story. But all you have to do is say yes to his invitation to get in your boat. Trusting is a lifetime journey. I have to be honest, like some stuff, I'm, in some areas of my life, I'm now only like, okay, let's do it your way. Because I've been fighting hard to do it my way and asking the Lord to bless my way. And it's tiring. It's so tiring. And then I'm finally at the place of like, okay, okay, Lord, it's your way. Your way is the better way, right? And, and that trust is cultivated and grown. You know, I have, um, I have a bit of a fear of heights. It's understandable at my heart, I feel. <laughs> Met a guy uh, um, in the coffee shop earlier. It was like at least twice my height, which I feel is unnecessary. Um, I have a bit of a fear of height. Um, even a bank bed, uh, a, a double bed, I, I think that's too high. I don't see why in a country with so much space why we have to. So the other day, I'm having to do some DIY stuff and I need to paint something. And I got a podcast playing in the background. I'm going through Jordan Peterson's uh, Exodus. It's two hours of heavy, like that's heavy mental stuff. And but I got to get this done because uh, the weather's changing, and I got to I got to uh, paint things. Jesus is calling somebody, and and get t in in time for for things and. I, the further I'm painting, I'm moving the ladder. I'm listening to Jordan Peterson. I'm painting. I'm moving the ladder. I climbed up a section that the ladder couldn't get to, and I'm painting a section, and I'm almost done. And I realise I'm about six meters off the ground right now. <sighs> I'm, I'm experiencing a bit of hyperventilation just thinking about it. Right, like my feet are legit. Like if you don't have a fear of height, you don't know what this feeling is like, and you think, "Oh, what a joker." But what happens when you have a fear of heights is that you begin to imagine that your head is getting heavier and that it is. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like you start saying to yourself, what is wrong with you? Are you trying to do this? 
I'm not. I just genuinely start feeling like my feet are getting lighter and my head is getting heavier. And a perfectly ordinary, you know, railing, which is, I don't know, half a meter off the ground, more than enough to keep me from falling, it starts to feel like, hey, you could easily. Anyway, I, I, I focused and, you know, didn't you know, cry like a, a, a baby. I got the job done and I got down and I was quite proud of myself. And I was proud of myself in this sense that, um, oh man, when you get busy with what God's called you to do, you don't even realize when you cross the line over your own fears. You don't even realize like at which moment did I go further than my carnal nature would have allowed me. I would have stopped sooner, but I got busy and I enjoyed the being busy at it and I was enjoying the conversation I was listening to and I was enjoying the task of my life and when I looked again, I was in territory I wouldn't have gone to on my own. I want to close with this uh, idea. Um, I had a conversation. I know they're not here tonight and it's not being recorded so I can just say it and just don't tell them. I won't mention names, obviously. That had quite an intense conversation with a young, a, a young lady um, who stopped me at, at a coffee shop recently and said, I really don't agree with you about this thing of like, like marrying a Christian. Like some Christians are just so weak. There's a whole separate rude conversation we can talk about. <laughs> so, so weak. I've got myself a boyfriend. He's not a Christian, but he's not a bad guy. He's a good guy. He's gooder than some Christians. <laughs> I know that's not a word. Don't email me. Don't email me. I'm illiterate. I don't know how to reply. And he says I can go to church. He doesn't mind. He'll prepare a meal at home and I can get back from church. He's not stopping me. I don't, What's the problem with that? He says, when we have kids, I can raise them Christian. He won't get in my way. Not a problem. I don't, I don't see the problem. Let me tell you what the problem is. Everything you're saying is fine. It's average. Let me tell you what the problem is. No offense. He could be awesome, like awesome, like sunshine awesome. Is that rude? But here's what you're not going to get. Here's what you're not going to get. He's not going to be able to put his hand on the head of his child, on his firstborn, and say, the blessings that came to me, I pray, will be multiplied double portion and come to you also. He's not going to be able to do that. And when the two of you are facing some crisis and perhaps you can't fall pregnant, he's not going to reach his hand over to your hand lying in bed and say, let's just ask God to help. He's not going to do that. Just that he's not going to be able to do that. And when it's time to pray for a meal in your house, it's going to be that awkward, he's busy cooking stuff that's already cooked. So you can do the little prayer because I can sound this little giggly, awkwardy <laughs> Bob's. 
rather than like, Lord, you are the head of this home. We thank you for this meal. We thank you for our friends and our family. This is how we want to do life. Unlike the guy next door and the guy after that, we're doing it this way. Amen. It's just not, you're not going to get that. And that's below average, to be honest. You could do better. Okay, so guys, I don't know, there's a challenge out there. You guys are being, you guys are being, um, I don't know, you're being challenged to rise up and be better than sunshine. <laughs> I, I, I want to challenge you, um, uh, be different and be extraordinary and, and, um, and live an adventurous journey. Be radical or insert whatever new word you want to put in there, but whatever you do, don't be average. Be godly. Not average, not good, a lot of good, not good, godly. Take all three steps that'll float your boat. Jesus, you can come to my boat, but please stop treating him like a pet, like I love you and you're, you're welcome in my house and you're even on my screenshot. But, but when I'm going out now, so stay, 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 stay. Just like a pet. Don't do, don't do that. And then go from that to, to um, the second step. Come with me. Come with me when I go out. It'll change where I go, what I do, who I speak to. Change me. And then that like final step, Lord, where should I go? Man, when you get there, I just <laughs> it's let me see what'll happen. I'm in minus one minute right now. Let me see what'll happen. It will not be logical, but it will be spiritual. And when it is spiritual, it becomes satisfying. Because not all logical things are satisfying. Amen. Could you stand with me? Should we pray? Let's call it. There's some really, <coughs> excuse me, some really great pancakes at Warehouse One. They're really awesome. They're everything you hope they, a pancake would be. There's also thick-based pizza. Now, I know thin base is like the right way to eat it in Italy when the temperature is 31. But right now the temperature is three and we're in Mandela Bay and you need comfort food. So go, go get some. But to make the most of your church life, there are people up front who, if you felt at any part of the service something touch your heart and you wouldn't mind a prayer on anything, you come to one of these uh, people, guys to guys, ladies to ladies, and I'll pray for you. There's communion on either side of the stage. Every Sunday, before the service, during worship, after the service, go serve communion to yourself, to one another, with pleasure. There's also an anonymous prayer card there that you can put down. And when the pastors meet on Tuesdays or Wednesdays, we'll pray uh, for you. Make the most uh, of your church life. And then let's pray that prayer that we'll, we'll take those three steps of living a spiritual life and, and put it into practice this week. Let's pray. So Lord, thank you so much for the lessons from Simon who becomes Peter, from a reed who becomes a rock and this little journey um, 
where he found his, his path and the lessons we can learn from it. Tonight we pray that we will um, have the confidence to say yes to, to you being in our boat. We've got a seat for you and we'll take a seat and listen to the sermon. And then Lord, we pray that you'll give us the confidence to start each day and each adventure and each decision with this simple prayer, come with. And we'll keep doing what we're doing to the best of our ability, but we'll invite you along. And then Lord, will you please lead us to the maturity of faith of being able to say, not my will, but your will be done. How would you like this done? Show me your ways and I'll walk in them. Teach us to go from average to good to godly. Next level up. Help us find our feet as we journey on this path. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God one shout of praise? Just like it has been great to see you and be in God's house together. Please don't rush off. I'd really love to meet you uh, and hang out with you at Warehouse One. We'll pray for you up front. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night.